0: Welcome back to Covered in Glory, where we have had a little bit of a layoff, but we are back in full force. I'm coming to you today from Radio Row for Super Bowl 56. And considering I am the only person in the entire network not covering the big game on Sunday, I have no idea what the hell I'm doing here. Uh, but I am here having a good time and I want to have a little bit more fun with my good friend, Brett Corminas. How you doing, Brett?
1: Oh, man. Hanging in jealous of you. Just living the dream being down in the Super Bowl. But uh, I I, uh, I'll just live vicariously through you.
0: Oh uh, well, you got to live vicariously through me since you're an Everton fan, and I'm sure you got a little <laughs> bit to share about the transfer window. And speaking of which, let's let's jump right into it. So, what we're going to do today? We got uh, four games to cover, but we're going to do that in the back half of the pod. In the first half, since it's been a little bit of while since we've been together, and there was a pretty wild finish to the transfer window, uh, we're going to talk about the futures odds once more. Talk about the title race, if there is one, the top four, and then the relegation fight. Where I would like to remind my Friend, Brett, that the last time we were together, I said, Newcastle and Everton were equally likely to get relegated. And he mocked me. But now who's the joke on my friend?
1: <laughs> it's definitely on me, man. I'm, I'm just, I feel like you're going to win this because I'm going to have to listen to an endless supply of belly alley jokes. Um It just feels like it was fate that he was the guy that you chose to pick on through every podcast. Now he's on my club.
0: (laughs) Hey, you know who's not providing an endless supply? Deli Alley. (laughs) There it is. One down. (laughs)
1: What's the over/under on these jokes? Uh, I'm gonna set it at five, and I guarantee you that I'm gonna get good money if I take the over.
0: Take the under on that one, but there's not gonna be one. There's gonna be more than that. (laughs) Uh, all right, so people really excited about the pod in the background, or they might be taping a different podcast, one or the other. I'm not sure which. Uh, let us start with whether there's a title um – if there's going to be a title competition here whatsoever, I mean, when we last recorded, I think you and I agreed that Manchester City was running away with this thing and there wasn't really going to be uh, much of a contest. However, Liverpool's kind of got back in the frame just a tiny bit, just a little bit. The current odds are Man City minus eight fifty, Liverpool plus six fifty, and Chelsea plus ten thousand. Uh, admittedly, I did pull that before Liverpool just got three more points a couple of hours ago, but it's still not not that tight on the odds. Uh, Brett, is this worth more than one minute of talking about or we already have our champion?
1: Just give Pep the trophy, man. <laughs> I think we're good. I mean, it would it would take a pretty Herculean effort. And, uh, you know, you kind of can do the math with, like, the game in hand and then the six-pointer when they play each other and if Liverpool win that and then they, you know, kind of make up some ground and they're only, like, three, four points behind. Um, but at the rate these teams win at or or maybe – the best way of putting it, the rate that these teams avoid dropping points, um, even a three-point gap over the final stretch of, say, 7, 10 games is more insurmountable than it may look on paper. Um, so, I mean, I think City has been very clearly separating themselves as a tier above. Um, Liverpool Still, are still one of the best you know, two or three teams in the world, um, but this is just kind of City's coronation, I think. Okay.
0: Well, no argument here, so let's move on. Uh, In the top four battle, Chelsea is minus 3,500. I mentioned them just for formality's sake. I believe uh, SPI now has them at 95-plus percent chance of qualifying. But the next four are very interesting. Manchester United plus 175, Spurs plus 190, Arsenal plus 220, and West Ham plus 800 for that fourth spot. Uh, in the transfer window for these teams, I think Tottenham's the only one that made a real major move in the positive direction, at least. So what did you take away from Tottenham's midfield makeover and their chances of finishing top four?
1: Um, you know, it's kind of interesting, you know, to preface every, any conversation about the January window, um, friend of the pod, Ryan O'Hanlon wrote a piece about the Jan window and he quoted a group, uh, 21st group, which is a, cons- a soccer consultancy. And they did a study, and basically any team that spent over thirty million dollars, uh, they increased their points per game average uh, by zero point one. So a lot of the stuff that we talk about with January transfers, we have to put in the context of most of the time, you know, for every bust and for every stud like a Luis Suarez, most of the time they don't matter. Uh, most of these transfers are kind of just window dressing, basically on you know the meat of the team. Um, but with that said. Uh, as much as you want to maybe look at a young attacker um like Dejan Kulusevski coming over from Juve, um, it's actually Rodrigo Bencore that I think is really interesting. Um, I didn't even realize it until I started looking into it. Um, how terrible like Harry Winks and Oliver Skip were defensively. Um, you can make all the jokes you want about like their overall talent. Um, but I kind of thought like they did a little more defensive work, but they really don't. Um, and Bencor is kind of like a, just a solid all-around. Um, football reference had one of his comps as your boy, Jorginho. So that can kind of be the picture of like what type of player he is. He does a little bit of defensive work. He's not the same metronome in terms of like high, super high completion percentage that Jorginho Jorginho is. Um, but he is going to be a pretty good fit next to Hoiber. And I think it's going to kind of solidify that two man midfield that Conte has been rolling out in that three, four, three. Um, so I do think this one might matter, but it, it's not going to come in the byproduct of like a super exciting attacking player that, you know, is going to add a ton of goals to the Spurs roster and even Kuliszewski. And I'm sure I'm butchering that name. He's more of like a defensive winger. Like he profiles as a guy that pressure pressures the ball a lot, creates chances. He doesn't even really score a lot of goals. Um, so I think these moves are actually going to help Spurs in a way that's not like the flashy goal scoring, but they're going to make them even more sound defensively to try to churn out these points. Um, so I do think they matter. I'm not sure how much, and I'm not even sure how much we can tell because with the guys that they brought in, we're not going to see it in like the standard measurements, right? Like we're not going to look at the box score every game and be like, Oh, Bentoncourt scored twice. You know, what a great signing, you know, it's going to be more like, what do, what do they do? Kind of pulling the strings behind the scenes.
0: Uh, did they sign anybody who can teach Emerson Royale to track a ball in flight? either center post or or far post because he was getting crushed on that midweek. And until he sorts that out, I'm not sure there's all those midfield signings are going to matter. I mean, Emerson, Uh, Emerson's just
1: excited about the super bowl because I don't know if you watched the Southampton match, but the hit he put on Armando Porsche. That was something.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no, it was nice to see something that didn't end up in the back of the net that had him in frame. Uh, (laughs) So, when you look at the odds, I, I think the Spurs did improve themselves. They still have Conte, but, I mean, they did just lose three straight times to Chelsea and then just lost to Southampton. So they're in a bit of a slide right now. Getting Sun back is obviously impactful for their offense. Kane still looks really good. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I know that I, I don't like Man United in those odds uh, at plus 175. In fact, I think it's just like we said last time we talked about it. I think Spurs and Arsenal are, are have better than... Um, their chance of of finishing top four better than the odds right now because I think Manchester United is creating gravity in their favor. Uh, I like West Ham at plus eight hundred over Manchester United, but if I had to pick one of the four, God, I hate to say it because I think it's still Arsenal. I think it's still Arsenal at plus yeah, two twenty. I,
1: I mean, you and I are kind of coming to that same like begrudging conclusion. Um, you know, we have talked a ton on this pod you and I, and we've kind of tried to figure out like, is Arsenal good? Um, and I think, you know, again, they won again today. Uh, they, Despite a red car, they basically, they got outshot, um, but they basically held Wolves away from home to nothing. And they play this really boring, slow style. They don't press. There's like a lot of things stylistically um, about what they do that just don't make sense for them to be a top four club. Um, but I think that's the, that's the one. If you're going to bet something on this or if you're going to play these odds, I just... They just seem like the favorite. It seems like Spurs might get a little unlucky with some of their results as they had in the early part of the Conte era. Um, and as much as West Ham, like the high odds and the fun of like betting the dark horse come in, they kind of screwed up the the transfer market. And that was before they signed a player who was kicking cats all over his apartment. Um <laughs> I mean, what they really needed was Jared Bowen is kind of blossoming the superstar. And you and I are going to, are going to be the ones that say we were on that bandwagon first. Um, But what they really needed to do is hit on a signing like Nikola Vlasic or use the Zuma money um, to basically try to take a gamble of trying to get another attacker that blew up at the same time as Bowen. That was probably what West Ham needed in order to make a push for this top four. And they just don't have it, you know. So unless like Said Ben Rama pulls a Jesse Lingard for him in the second half of the season, it just seems really unlikely they're going to have the juice attacking wise to like get this done.
0: All right, so let's turn to the real fun here, Brett. Uh, relegation <laughs> <It's> battle. <fun. laughs> so here are the odds: Norwich is minus seven hundred, Watford's minus three ninety, Burnley is minus two ten, Newcastle is plus one eighty five, Everton is plus four thirty. Brentford plus 550, Leeds is plus 700. In terms of the transfer window, the two that jump off the page in this group heading in exact opposite directions, uh, Newcastle plus 185, and Everton plus 430. So the odds on favorite are still that it's Norwich, Watford, and Burnley going down. Uh, Newcastle's moved from, I think they were uh, minus 140 up to plus 185 now. So they, the market has finally started to factor in the wallet size and the ambition that they're showing through making some pretty savvy acquisitions. Um, is it going to be enough for Newcastle to stay up? And then let's talk about Merseyside. So do you think the three teams are set right now? I hate Newcastle- that fucking
1: shitting grin you have on your face right now. <laughs> do, you
0: think, do you think Newcastle has uh, any chance to still go down? Or do you think they're safe with the show, the show of force that they did over the transfer window?
1: Honestly, um, as exciting as signing Dan Byrne and as interesting um, from your succession phantom as it was for them to steal Chris Wood from Burnley, you know, Trippier is kind of an aging fullback. I mean, I don't think it was, like, great value, but although he did score against Everton. So, you know, what the fuck am I talking about? Um, but they did, the guy that kind of slid under the radar despite his price tag uh, was they signed a cap from Lyon, uh, Bruno, and I'm, gonna, I'm going to butcher the fuck out of this, but uh, Gima Reich, and he is kind of an all-action midfielder, um, very similar to your boy Kovacic, um, except he does a little bit more defensive work. And league one signings from France typically have the best translation rate uh, coming to the premier league. So this isn't like they sign like a center back from the Erie division where there's goals galore. And then they're hoping that he pans out like this is a guy who's in the, in his prime played for a good club coming over to the Premier League at an exact thing that Newcastle needed. They had no one in their midfield that could win the fucking ball back. Um, and now they kind of fix that thing. So, yeah, it's great that they signed Trippier. It's great that they have Chris Wood and they stole him from Burnley and kind of a fun, interesting way of throwing around their financial might. Um, but this is the guy that could really matter. And the same thing with Benton Corps. We're not going to see it in the goals or even the assists. Um, it's going to be how he solidifies the team and allows the rest of the attackers around him. Um, I think they're safe. I think Watford is showing week after week, even though they have Roy Hodgson back in the fold, um, that they're they're just bad. they the town isn't there. Norwich has been slightly better under Dean Smith, um, but they've also gotten really lucky with some results going their way with a lot of luck in terms of teams not cashing in chances or them scoring over their expected goal margins. Um, so they're pretty much toast, especially because they're such a doormat early in the season. Um and that leaves basically a match between Burnley and Everton. Um, <laughs> and to be honest, it's going to come down to basically two players. Um, so Burnley kind of replay used the Chris Wood money on a, a well-known, you know, kind of name. Woot Horst. It's coming over from the Bundesliga. Um, they're signing a striker from the 12th place team in a league that tr- traditionally doesn't translate very well to the Premier League. As we talked about when Jaden Sancho came over. Um, Everton on the other hand is going with the tried and true tradition of just taking castoffs from teams better on the table and hoping that they somehow turn into like Wilfred Zaha. Um, yeah. So, 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 so the, let,
0: let's set this up okay. for a second. Let's oh set this God. up for a second. He, he Cause so I'm
1: excited for this. Oh, I no, hate it. No,
0: no, no. So here, here's the gosh <laughs> honest truth. Like. Uh, I was going, I was really going to enjoy this pod. I'm not going to lie. I was all geared up. I was ready to go, but then Fra- super Frankie Lampard became the manager. and Now my house divided because now they have <laughs> one of my favorite athletes of all time as their manager, a guy who's brought me a lot of joy and that I wish nothing but success, but God, I want to watch them die like a dog. Uh, just to wipe that shitty grin off your face from a couple of weeks ago when I dared to mention that they were a relegation contender. Uh, so like, Let's first talk about Lampard for just a second, and then let's talk about the transfers in the team. So, Lampard, having watched a lot of them over the last couple of years, for an American sports fan, he just reminds me a lot more of like a roll-the-ball out there basketball coach. He's going yeah. to trust his team, he's going to trust his players. He's not going to win a lot on tactics and things like that. And like, I think he will 10 years from now. But like, how many players of his stature actually retire from the game and all of a sudden can like play chess with Pep? Like it's just, it's just not what happens. Like these guys need seasoning. I thought Rooney was actually pretty self-aware to not interview for the job and and be willing to take over. And so I think we saw that a lot with Lampard at Chelsea, that he's um, not going to win any tactical masterclasses. But what he did extraordinarily well at Chelsea was to bring up the kids and give everybody a chance to play. It became a bit of a meritocracy, promoted the youth, trusted them. Uh, folded them into the system and really got the best results of them. And a lot of Chelsea's success in the Champions League and beyond was because of that investment the year before when they were on the transfer ban. However, correct me if I'm wrong, sir, uh, Everton's Youth Academy is not Chelsea's. It's not Barca or Dortmund or anything else. And so, like, you can only do so much when your raw materials aren't what they are when they're coming out of uh, out of Cobham. Uh, So, I... I don't want to root against Frank. I love Frank. He's brought me so much joy in my life. I don't know if I would have taken this job if I was him, because like all it is, is downside. They're going to be in this relegation fight. I don't think he has the ingredients to fight it off and he doesn't have the experience to get the you know best out of subpar ingredients. So I'm, I'm scared for all of us, Brett.
1: <laughs> I mean, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head. And the irony of it is that with Everson's position on the table, the guy that you would want to have or the type of manager you want to have is Rafa Benitez, right? Yes. The guy that tightens up games that tries to just make them dull drab affairs where you nick points and you kind of move forward. Um, The last guy you want is a roll the ball out. I want to be attacking and pressing, but I don't know how to teach attacking and pressing style football type of manager which is why Everton just got fucking trashed by Newcastle and Frank's first premier league match with them. Um, You know, you roll out this back, this back three, it was definitely something that was not organized. I mean, when you're trying to go the double pivot and Andre Gomes is one of the double pivot, you're fucking something up. Um, And then Everton, Everton's transfer policy is just weird. Um, You know, they signed, it was like the year that they brought in Gilfie Sigurdsson, Davey Klaassen and Wayne Rooney, uh, well, now we brought in Donnie Beek and your boy, Deli. And these are two players that do the exact same thing. And they're both attackers. And in the same window, whatever flaws that you have with Luca Dine, he's a veteran Premier League average left back. And now Everton's number one guy is a young kid who's 21 years old coming over from Dynamo Kiev. Uh, that is not confidence inspiring in any stretch of the imagination. So yeah there's a lot of problems and what I was, you know, and that's why I think when you look at them, if you look at it as Newcastle has saved themselves, Watford and Norwich are dead. And it's kind of a battle for the third spot between Everton and Watford and uh, and Burnley. It's really going to be, what does Woot Wakehorse do for Burnley as far as giving them some goal scoring punch? Cause we know how Sean Dice is going to manage, right? It's going to be ugly, shitty Burnley games. And how much does Dominic Calvert-Lewin play for Everton? And that probably equation and however you want to do the math to bet this line is really what it's going to come down to. If Calvert-Lewin can't stay healthy and Whitehorse goes on a crazy finishing run, it's not out of the realm of possibility that Burnley's going to catch Everton and Everton goes down. It's just not.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I still think the three teams are more likely than not set. I think it's Norwich, Watchford and Burnley, yeah. but I also, and oh, gosh, I, we don't have to, we don't have the 2 hours necessary to really unfold this topic but like to what end is it good for everton to finish 17th like what are you actually building to if all you do is hang on by the skin of your teeth to uh to your place in the premier league that you've held for decade after decade after decade they need something to get the fans excited and something to churn them upwards rather than just, yay, we barely stayed up in the premier league. And so like, my recommendation to them is put somebody in charge of transfers who doesn't have, um, kind of like seven, eight year old kids. Cause I have them and they keep watching this show. That's all about zombies and how zombies <laughs> have special powers and they can play soccer and football really well. And apparently they think that's a documentary Because that's the only way to explain when you sign a Delhi alley and think that suddenly he's going to fix your midfield. Like, oh, we have a zombie. He's come back to life. And he has superpowers now. Look at his green skin. uh, That's going to scare everybody. So, like, get some adults that don't have those kids who actually watch soccer and uh, get some real players in there. And suddenly you might just not be in the relegation discussion. And you can go back to comfortably being a mid-table team.
1: So, so what is that? Is that three Deli Alley jokes now that we're on? I mean, I just want to, is it? I know this is a podcast, but I think we need like a running counter in the corner uh, for when we do our video I'm, cutouts.
0: I'm, I might be done cause we got to get to this week's games, <laughs> but I, I feel for you, pal. I feel for you. It's, I appreciate,
1: not, I appreciate the love and support. I need it.
0: Yeah, no, I, I, I feel for you, but like mostly I feel glee.
1: Um, <laughs> That's more like it. Well <laughs> That's, more Toby. That's more Toby. Uh,
0: All right, so let's get to this week's game right after a real quick break. All right. We are back, and let us start at Manchester United, fifth on thirty-nine points, versus Southampton, tenth at twenty-eight points. This game is Saturday, seven thirty Eastern. Manchester United is minus one seventy. The draw is plus three twenty, and Southampton is plus four seventy-five. If you look at it on the spread, at Manchester United minus a half a goal, they stay at minus one seventy, and Southampton moves up to plus one fifty to nick some points. Uh, so Southampton played an incredibly entertaining game against Tottenham midweek. I did watch that bread. I, I enjoyed it thoroughly, especially since the Spurs lost. Um, <laughs> I also just Manchester United. And I mean, holy crap, guys, like you're dropping points to Burnley and you have Paul Pogba back. And uh, you finally are able to get Fred out of there, get him a rest and you get all of your weapons back. I mean, they're playing Cavani up top. They could have played Ronaldo and then they draw with Burnley. And like that, that game was terrible. There was no real inspiration on their side. And Harry Maguire is double line of border Asia, uh, double agent at this point. I don't know what <laughs> he's doing out there. It's wild to watch. It's the only entertaining thing about watching Manchester United besides Paul Pogba. So I guess you can hear from my analysis, Southampton beat Spurs three, uh, two James Ward Prowse was unbelievable. And they're kind of flying high. Manchester United, hit or miss. Uh, and so, if I could get plus one hundred and fifty for a miss that I think is a coin toss, I'm going to take it. Southampton on the uh, spread.
1: Yeah, I'm. I'm actually going to go. I, I had him on the spread, but I think the plus three twenty for the draw seems a little more fitting. Um, as I stare longingly at Ralph, Ralph Hassan on that Southampton side sideline, which he was wearing blue and relocating to Liverpool. Um, this first I mean, uh, Southampton is weird, but United show us, I think you and I talk about this every week. It's like each week they show us the flaws, right? You know, every time that we watch them, there's just something that just seems off. And now we get the data set of Pogba coming back and things still seem screwed up. Um, and, and I like, you know, Southampton. I, I think Armando Borgia is going to be a really good player. Um, you know, WordPress has been unbelievable the last five games um, and I just think that they're pressing style, it's coordinated Hassan as a very good way of tying everything into his philosophy. Um, well, Rangnick, this is not the thing that he's good at, and we're seeing that again. Um, so I mean, I think the draw is fitting at plus 320, and then I'm gonna I'm gonna ride or die with JWP on my prop bet too. Um he's, me plus, too. he's plus 350 for an anytime goal scorer. And oh, you're more
0: ambitious than me.
1: He, I'm taking. And here's oh, what you got? What, what is your I'm taking day him day? shot on
0: target at minus 150?
1: Okay. I'm taking him to score, and here's why. United foul more than any other top six team in the Premier League. And Southampton, weirdly enough, draw more fouls than all but six of the teams in the Premier League. And we know what JWP is. He is not going to score from open play, but he is going to take their penalties and he is one of the best free kick takers in the league and probably in the, in, recent, in, in, in the recent premier league history, like yeah. 20, 30 years we're probably talking about. Um, so I, I kind of like that. I think this game could, is going to be ugly. I think it's going to be close United. Definitely has not been pulling away from teams. And then I think it's going to be one of those things where I just see in my head, Ward Prowse converting a penalty scoring on a free kick from a dumb foul outside the box. Uh, you talked about your boy, Fred, Him and Pogba are fucking foul machines in the midfield. If McTominay gets swapped out and that's the double pivot, they are going to foul the fuck out of Southampton. And that's just all these opportunities for Ward Prowse to get chances for free kicks.
0: Yeah, and he's also so accurate from distance. And Fred, McTominay, Pogba, McGuire. Everybody but Varence are like they're not known for closing guys out right now. Yeah, And he's going to throw out a bomb from 18 yards. I, whether De Gea gets to it or not, I think it's going to be on target. And I think I'm going to cash. I mean, you just ruined my fun, buddy. Like I have <laughs> my notes. Ward Prowse is the best midfielder in this game. Changed my mind. But I think you agree with me.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I, I wouldn't agree with that. I think he's the best dead ball player probably in soccer right now. Um, it's so hard to watch Paul Pogba and he's sort of miscast, but yeah, I mean, JWP might be the biggest difference maker in this game. I'll put it this way with his ability on set pieces. Not only we're picking him to score or shoot on target, but you know, he obviously does a lot more than that with, in terms of creation, um, off corners, off free kicks, things like that. So an open play now. Um, but yeah, it's, I think it's going to be the James or cross game, man.
0: All right. Well, let's move to the next game. So next up we have Norwich at 18th, 17 points versus Man City first at 60 points. Saturday at 1230, Norwich is plus 1700. I'm saying that nice and slow. So everybody knows that is not a typo. The draw is plus 600. Man City is minus 550. Man City on the spread. This one was fun. Man City I, I bumped it up to get to a plus number minus two and a half goals <laughs> yeah, yeah. is plus 135 yeah. Norwich is minus 155 uh, we're talking this is just an obligatory game we have to talk about so let's just uh, race through it Norwich has no shot in hell in this game it's just a matter of how many they lose by and I think they're gonna lose by more than three or more so give me man City minus 2.5 at plus 135.
1: Yeah, I actually, I wouldn't even touch the actual spread. I think I went with the under is probably the best like game line at at going under 2.5. You get, I think, plus 180 for it. Um, and the way and we've talked about this before with City, they are not the team that runs up scores anymore. They are the team that scores once or twice and they shut games the fuck down. Um, and I think that's going to happen against Norwich in their first matchup, which, you know, seems like an eternity ago to talk about, or at the beginning of this Premier League season. But they out they out Norwich uh, 2.7 to 0.1. So we know one thing. Norwich is not going to score unless it's the incredibly flukiest shit ever, or Josh Sargent is actually the second coming of Luis Suarez. Um, but I, I think in, with that vein in mind, then the bet that I would really like in this game is the score bunches plus one ten. You got City winning in one oh, two oh or three oh again. Norwich scoring seems like I could get hit by a shark through my window via a tornado, and I have better odds of that happening than Norwich scoring in this game. So I kind of like that you're getting positive money for a bunch of shutout score lines with City.
0: Yeah. And on the, on the prop side, uh, I got to say, I mean, maybe it's just being here for the Super Bowl, but I am so obsessed with fullback play right now. And watching Jao Cancelo just like <laughs> ski his way through the middle of the box, like prime end Hazard with like incredible close control and just carving entire back lines from the fullback position is unbelievable. And like the only thing I can compare what we're seeing out of him and Trent Alexander-Arnold and, you know, when Reese James is back and hell, even Luke Shaw looked incredibly lively uh, down the left side the other day. It just reminds me of like the tight end revolution. Like this is gone, this position is gone from you know, the industrious workers who stay in from block and every once in a while catch a six yard out in the tight end position that I grew up with in the eighties and nineties to like, Holy hell, like now maybe the best players are all playing tight end. You know, you get Travis Kelsey led offenses, not, not so much in this super bowl matchup, but from the Tony Gonzalez and Travis Kelsey and uh, Jimmy Graham and like all these people that revolutionized Kyle
1: Kyle Pitts getting drafted fourth by the Falcons.
0: Exactly. I think that's what we're seeing in England, like not in English fullback, but in fullbacks in England right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's nobody who's doing what Kinsella is doing. I mean, Trent Alexander-Arnold is doing something different and doing something as good, but nobody's yeah. playing the position like uh, Jao Cancelo is right now. So I, I can't get over watching it. I think he is an artist. I can't believe he's a fullback. And you me are hand? in a
1: public space, so do not get aroused right now.
0: <laughs> well, um, uh, my legs are under the table. I'll be all right. <laughs> uh, so give me Cancelo as an anytime goal scorer at plus five fifty. Since Norwich Love cannot it. contain his skill, Love it. and he can go straight through it. all day long.
1: All right. Yes, you pick those defenders to score. <laughs> my influence <laughs> continues to wear on
0: you. I'll just wait to hear my Liverpool pick. Yeah. Uh, so next game up. Tottenham, seventh place, 36 points versus Wolves, eighth and 34 points. Sunday at 9 a.m. Eastern. The Spurs are minus 155. The draw is plus 285. The wolves are plus 475. On the spread, Spurs at minus half a goal is minus 155. The wolves are plus 135. Okay. Um, this is just more in Conte we trust. I like they did not look good against Southampton. Um they not they got just, fucking dominated against Southampton. <laughs> yeah, like you know, the scoreline flattered them for a while, and yeah. James Ward Prowse kind of struck twice in two minutes and just it ball, hey, ball don't lie, it's exactly right. It was a uh, same place, uh two minutes apart, and all of a sudden that you know justice was served. But uh I think Conte can get them right. I mean, I do not I said it earlier in the show, I don't know what the hell Emerson Royale is doing. I, I it, it boggles the mind, uh, but I do like what I saw from Kane. I do like what I saw from Sun. They were rip- roaring up the right side. Uh, that channel was particularly effective at creating opportunities in front of the goal mouse. And Wolves, uh, I don't know, man. I mean, like, now that they gave up tri- Traore, what am I watching? Even though he was, like, giving end product, but what am I watching? Where are the goals going to come from? I always expect them to have zero. And if I always expect them to have zero, you have son and Kane and some of the other attacking threat for Tottenham. I think they can eke out the points here and I'm going to take a minus 155.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm actually going to take the draw again. Um, just taking the easy way out, man. I can't pick a team. So I'm just going to pick the draw, but no, you are getting plus 285, And again, I think a huge range of score lines in this is nil, nil or one, one. Um, I, and the thing that you got to remember, and this is going to go into my profit as well is these teams have stylistic similarities. in the fact that they both play three, four threes, they're both basically playing like these really unbalanced three, four threes in the sense that they're have three center backs and then really defensive right wing backs and Nelson tomato for wolves. And then your boy Emerson for Spurs, that does not lead to a lot of scoring. It definitely doesn't lead to teams pulling away. And we know what happens in soccer games are close. Random shit happens, and that's why draws seem really appealing in matchups like this. Yeah. Um, and so for me, the prop bet within that vein of talking about how defensive and gritty this game is probably going to be, and even going back further to talking about if like Bentancur starts first for Spurs and how that kind of solidifies them a little bit more defensively, I'm going to take the under of 0.5 goals for plus uh, 850. Uh, it's a long shot bet, um, but this is definitely. I mean, Southampton literally did not let the um, Spurs out of their own third. It was incredible. And now Southampton's press is not the same as Wolves press. When Southampton's press is on, it's really good. Wolves are not the same, but they are a little bit more aggressive under Bruno Lange. I think this is going to be a really ugly, low scoring game. And I kind of like that. My, you know, self prophesized range is going to be in that zero zero one, one range. Yeah. I I think, you know, more than eight times out of 10, you're going to get, uh, a, a game
0: with less than one goal. So I'm going to go all the way for the nil nil. Yeah, I mean, we haven't talked in a couple of weeks, which is scary how we're starting to sync up, which is actually extraordinarily bad news for you. Like, when we started the podcast, like, your takes were, like, way up here, and mine were, you know, subterranean. <laughs> and now we're starting to have the same takes. And, like, I have not elevated my game that much. So you I've, gotta, I've
1: come to your level. I've come yeah, to your you've level. You've
0: really got to go check yourself. Because um, I had for my prop, under 2.5 goals, minus 140. I didn't go qu- quite as far as you did. But zero zero one one. you know, upper bound. I see this at two zero. So I really like the, you know, minus minus you're laying a little bit of juice, but you're getting a whole range of likely outcomes from two yeah. teams. I don't expect 100%. You, you to shoot out hundred percent. All right. Last game that we're going to talk about, and then we'll do five pint and get you guys out of here. Uh, Burnley at 20th, 14 points versus Liverpool second and 51 points. This is Sunday at 9.00 AM. Burnley is plus 900. The jaw is plus 450. The Liverpool is plus 310. So like my friend, Dave Damashek, I have a no jive policy. I did not see Liverpool's match today. I followed it from uh, traffic when I was in the back of an Uber. I and mean, people don't talk enough about the LA traffic. I mean, did you know, did you know it could take an hour to get like 10 miles out of no, here? Have you're you ever sh- heard you're that fucking, You're shitting me. Oh my gosh. A small, t-
1: small town like that, that's odd.
0: <laughs> um, So, I, I was able to follow it a little bit, but I didn't get to watch it all, all the way through like I would have liked to. It seemed like, from what I could follow, that Diaz embedded just fine. Another example of excellent Liverpool transfer with Mane and, and Salah kind of getting up there a little bit in age, and Salah wanting them to really back up the truck. They, of course, sneak in in a January transfer window, reinforce their attacking line with an excellent prospect, and they just. Keep doing what Liverpool does. They they really are tremendous at these things. Um, Mane and Sala, after they faced off in the Afcon finals, seem to be available again this weekend. It would be nice to embed them back in, and uh, hopefully a cakewalk versus Burnley. Uh, so I I mean I can't take anything besides a pool win here. Give me them minus three ten. Oh, and I I should have mentioned. I'm sorry. I'm I'm usually pretty good about this. Uh, the spread line is actually exactly even, which is very interesting. Liverpool interesting. Minus 1.5 goals is minus 105 and Burnley's 105 on the other side. So a rare coin toss on a spread for Liverpool.
1: Yeah, no, that is interesting. I uh, But I like you with your city match. I was trying to look for where can I get some juice for an absolute fucking beat down. And plus two and a half, or, or sorry, minus two and a half for Liverpool was plus 235. And we talked about the difference kind of between um, city and Liverpool being that city is trying to suffocate you. Liverpool is, is back into Hulk smash mode. And, you know, you, you kind of look at the, just, I mean, if Diaz pans out the absurdity of their attacking talent, they're going to have to rotate over the second half of the season. And Burnley is just the way wrong matchup for them. And they, they almost had three expected goals against them in their first goal around. They just fucking pummel <laughs> Lester with 22 shots to five in their latest matchup today. Um, and, you know, again, and then now you're going to add, you know, most solid back into the equation. Um, so that minus two and a half, uh, two and a half at plus two thirty-five. I can see Liverpool winning this game. Four, one, three, Oh, five, one, seven, nothing. Like yeah. there, there is no upper limit really to this match for me. <laughs>
0: So, uh, the show that's taping over to my left has a bunch of people chanting their catchphrase. And this is just aspirational because when you and I, Brett, get to the Champions League final, we're going to get a whole crowd of people that are all going to say, We're taking a good team <laughs> to do a good thing. <laughs> Most and boring that, catchphrase ever. <laughs> and that is what I'm doing Liverpool clean sheet win, plus 135. Burnley hasn't scored uh, twice in a game since before Thanksgiving. They don't have much in the attack. Liverpool is outstanding. I don't expect them to slip in this game. I'm getting plus money for them to do the right thing and, and you know, keep a clean sheet and get a win. So I'm extremely happy with that one.
1: See, and I'm just, because you're picking the smart, sensible thing, now I'm going to be you and I'm just going to start doing player props and why I want to see goals, man. Fuck these clean sheets. Yeah. No.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is another example of you becoming more like me and really <laughs> screwing yourself in the possible. Cause now to end the show, let's do our five-point review for January. Um, oh,
1: boy, no. Ooh, that's I had a bad I had a bad one.
0: <laughs> yeah. So we only had two weeks worth and there was a bunch of COVID cancellations. So it was a really weird one. I'll give you credit for that. But uh Brett, do you know your final score for January? I
1: didn't bad. I just generally bad.
0: Uh it was zero, pal. Yeah. So it was zero because you got crazy after your December win, and you apparently drank all six beers and thought you'd suddenly be like a cowboy. And you started taking a bunch of plus 1600s and 700s and 800s, and you hit none of them. I won despite losing six pints. I only finished with four out of 10. It's so romps you. That is embarrassing.
1: It's not good. It's all right, not good.
0: So, so I win January. You're sending me some beers. Let us get back to fundamentals, Brett. And give the people <laughs> winners here in February. All right, all right. Okay, your commitment.
1: Okay, I'm good. Let's do this.
0: All right, so I am going extraordinarily practical uh, since we only have two weeks, and I expect you to not listen to my pep talk and throw them a bunch of crazy crap. And I just got to <laughs> get one on the board, and I might be a prohibitive favorite again. <laughs> so uh, here are my five: Liverpool clean sheet win plus one thirty five for a pint. James Ward-Prowse shot on target, minus 115 for a pint. Uh, Manchester United-Southampton, over 2.5 goals, minus 145 for a pint. Spurs and Wolves, under 2.5 goals, minus 140 for a pint. And sneak attack, Chelsea, minus 170 to win the uh, Club World Cup. I know we don't talk about it. I do not care if you object because it's not a Premier League game. I am appointing myself to investigate my just like Dan Snyder did. There
1: you go. I was gonna so, say it's a Dan Snyder player right there. Yeah,
0: so I am giving Chelsea <laughs> to lift the silverware uh in regulation, minus 170 on Saturday.
1: All right. Well, my, mine are pretty simple. I, I am in a roundabout way gonna get back to my Core philosophy, and I'm going to trust a good team to do a good thing in the most boring catchphrase way possible. Um, I think I'm going to go three pints on plus one ten for that City trio score lines one zero two zero three zero against Norwich. Uh, then I'm going to trust Liverpool to beat the living fuck out of Burnley, and I'm going to take that minus two and a half at plus two thirty five. And then my boy Jota, um, best underlying numbers on the team. We we tend to think like if Salah or Mane would come back. That it's like a zero sum game, and they're going to like eat production. And soccer doesn't work that way. It just means they're going to bury more shots on top of Burnley. Um, and I love Jota at plus one thirty anytime goal store in the Burnley match um, for one pint as well. So those are my five.
0: All right, guys. Well. Uh do you have anything for the Super Bowl? I mean since I am sitting here on Radio Row or you do not care you'll be knee deep in some Italian uh, second division soccer rather than watching the game on Sunday.
1: <laughs> no man, I uh if there was a way to can you bet like pressures for Aaron Donald on uh, spoiler!
0: Run. spoiler alert. You can bet literally anything to scroll oh. through the prop list. And it is endless. Whatever I haven't been NFL
1: it. props in a very long time, but I'm going to take every over on Aaron Donald sacks pressures and whatever else I can find. That means him getting to the Cincinnati backfield because yeah. I do. I have foul football enough to know that the Bengals line sucks and Aaron Donald is fucking awesome. So yeah. those are going to be my Super Bowl prop bets. All Aaron Donald, all the time.
0: Uh, my God, we are sinking up way too much. I am taking the Rams for the same reason. I expect him to completely collapse the pocket. Uh, the Joe Burrow story is is super fun, and I'm personally rooting for him. But I, I think that that offensive line is going to present something that he cannot overcome this time. they will fix it. He'll be back, hopefully, because he's a super entertaining player. But I think the Rams lifted here in L.A. and cover the minus four number. Uh, so. That was just a little bonus other football talk, but let's be back next week with some real football and it'll be the only kind. We'll finally be done with the NFL, so all the other extra points uh, personalities are going to start coming on. Pick their favorite Premier League team so they can keep the good times going. Sal will be here next week to do so. Uh, In the meantime, hope you enjoy these games. They're not that great. Um, But we'll be back next week with our usual interchange of terrible advice backed by expert analysis. Have fun, folks.
1: Take care, y'all.